Oh, kia ora koutou whanau. Welcome back to another edition of the Department of Conversation. Uh, so good to be back with you again. Have a very, really interesting podcast coming up. A really interesting conversational podcast between me and a couple who have just moved to New Zealand from America, but we'll talk more about them shortly. Have you had a good week? I've had an interesting week. Uh, I haven't, as we record this on Friday, I think it's the 22nd, is that right? Uh, 22nd, uh, yeah, 22nd. I haven't slept in my own bed since Thursday of last week. Gosh, it's over a week. And why is that? Well, we got a new puppy. So we have a new puppy in the house. I have to tell you, and look, I'm I'm more than happy to be challenged on this, but it is the, the cutest puppy the world has ever seen. I'm actually officially putting that challenge out there. If you head to my Instagram, just at Pat Brittenden, uh, depending on when you get there, there are at least uh, two photos and one video of the puppy, her name is Nala, on my Instagram, and I challenge you to show me a cuter puppy. And I have to tell you, it's Friday today, we picked her up from Canterbury on Saturday, so she's been with us for five nights, something like that. Um, Whilst the nights aren't going that crash hot at the moment, I'm a little bit like I've got a newborn in the house, somehow this little turd burglar has gotten cuter today than she was on the first day she was here. Even though she's been to the vet three times, twice for what is commonly known as the green apple splatters, (laughs) and once because she jumped off something and then refused to put weight on her leg for about two hours. Everything's fine, though. I got told by the vet, uh, puppies, and I have had dogs before, but puppies are particularly uh, good at being drama queens, and she couldn't find too much wrong with the leg. So I might have a princess as well as having a puppy, actually. We'll see what happens. So at Pat Brittenden, there's some photos up there. Go and have a look for yourself. Follow me while you're there as well, actually. And uh, there might also be a photo on the um, Department of Conversation or a video Facebook page if you want to go have a look there as well. And my, I, a genuine challenge. I challenge you to show me a cuter puppier. Now, if we're being honest, I'm challenging you to show me your cuter puppy um, rather than just Googling world's cutest puppy. But, you know, I'm happy to be chambers anyway because I, I struggle to believe that there is a cuter puppy out there. Just me. At Pat Brittenden on Instagram. Hey, guys, um, if you are in New Zealand, you may have seen a story a couple of weeks ago about Alex the Vagabond and his uh, wife, Carrie Rad. Uh, Alex the Vagabond is a YouTuber. Uh, he is a travel YouTuber. Him and his brother have been doing uh, travel videos for the best part of the last decade. Uh, his dad is a Kiwi, so he is a dual citizen between New Zealand and or America, unless it's Australia, America. And so he has every right, every legal right, uh, to come back to New Zealand during this COVID crisis, and he's decided to do it. Now, to make it clear, although this is said in the in the podcast, this is not to escape any kind of political upheaval. This is not to escape COVID. These plans were happening before the COVID crisis kicked in. Um, and this is just coincidental timing as to when they were going to move across. They have come across during the COVID lockdowns, I guess. So we have a bit of a chat about that and all sorts of other things. If you're someone who is interested in YouTubing, uh, this is a great one to listen to because there's some realisms here as well. We have a, a good chat about what it's like to be someone whose primary line of income and work is YouTube, what it means to be a YouTuber, but also a very interesting conversation about people who primarily are American, based in America, moving to New Zealand, and what those of us here in New Zealand have 
that maybe the rest of the world is missing right now. So um, enjoy this one. It's a really good one. There's three of us talking, so there's quite a lot of conversations that go on. It's me and Alex Ailing, a.k.a. Alex the Vagabond, and Carrie Rad. Yep, and there we go. As we go live, and I can see me. And if I switch this up to a two-shot, I can see everybody, all three of us, in fact, with Alex Ailing and Carrie Rad, Alex, also known as Alex the Vagabond. Uh, thanks for joining me today, guys. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. Now, you are um, in isolation. I have to say, for me, doing podcasting, managed isolation has been great. <laughs> because because i've been able to access people and they're being like oh god that's too i mean like i'm grateful for being in in isolation but it's been two weeks and i yes please talk to us it's been an hour that'll take up our time so it's been quite a positive thing for me not being in isolation having that in this country because it's helped with several several podcasts actually so yeah yeah it's like people are staying put they, they don't have much to do so it's like I got you. Yeah. yeah. We'll have a conversation. We don't have anybody else to talk to. So, no, it's, but we would have done this even on the outside. I believe so. you. I believe you. Millions wouldn't, but I do. I do believe you. Um, but I have heard from a couple of people. I spoke to a journalist who was in isolation at one point that there is actually a bit of structure and a bit of timetabling when you're in there. Uh, like he had, you know, a COVID test on this day and they had their sector had eating at this time and exercising at that time. Is that what it is like for you guys? Is it pretty structured and there is some sort of structure around the day so you don't quite go mad? Definitely. Very structured, um, but also just extremely well organized um, and has left us just applauding, honestly, mm -hmm. the whole the whole scenario. It's gone down really smoothly and... Um, you know, I think there's a reason why New Zealand is in the position that it is right now. And I think that that's because of how well organized this whole program is. Yeah, and I think as mundane as it can be to be in the same room for two weeks, it's, you're right, there is a routine to it. So you kind of know what you're going to expect every day. It's not a surprise at every turn. You know, there are a couple surprises like our blue wristbands, for, in for instance, like, they, they kind of came in one night, or not in, but they came to the door one night and they were like, okay, it's you're blue now, which means that you're a little bit safer. You've had two of your COVID tests. Right. So there's like, there's there's little moments like that where you're like, okay, cool. Like, it's almost like you like I mean, got yeah, having propped up. Having people in military uniforms knock on your door at 9 p.m. Yeah. is definitely kind of like, did we do anything wrong? You know, <laughs> you get a blue bracelet now yeah. and we're like, yay. <laughs> um, so no, it is, it's all structured. It's organized regarding, you know, the COVID tests. Um, we got here on January 11th and I believe there's a new, new protocol that got implemented on the 15th that would have required us as Americans, uh, to, to, um, or coming from America to have a negative COVID test before we boarded. Right. So. But because we were coming from America, and I guess also people coming from the UK, which are considered higher risk because of these new strains, um, we had to do a COVID test on arrival. Um, and then again on day three, and mm -hmm. now today, which is day 11, 11 or 12, we're not quite sure, <laughs> we did our, our, our final COVID test. So. But all of them have been negative, which is great. And... Um, yeah, you know, go to the elevator, hold your breath, and that's kind of like where where they say you got the highest percentage chance of 
catching it. In really? Here. I did not know the elevators. Yeah. Yeah, because everybody's going in the elevator. They have an elevator specifically for staff, which is smart, so that the staff doesn't have to go in the elevator with the rest of us and manage isolation. But they said if there's any way for you to catch COVID while you're here, it's in the elevator. Yeah. But we're on the 16th floor, so it's like... So <gasps> <laughs> like my, kid, my kids do this thing when we're driving, uh, especially out in country roads. Um, it's, apparently, it's quite common. I didn't do it when I was a kid, maybe because they didn't have cars. Um, but that was... They, they hold their breath when they're going across a bridge. So yeah, a, there's that. There's also the graveyard one or going through a tunnel. Tunnel. That was always my thing. Yeah. Oh, what do I kind of do that? What do I typically do? I mean, you, you, uh, we'll, we'll get on to your story shortly, Alex, and obviously uh, Carrie as well. But Alex, you, you know Dunedin well because you studied here. Uh, but going out to the airport, there's a bridge, and if it's nice and quiet, what I tend to do is stop in the middle of the bridge, and force sure. them to um, either exp- have to breathe or pass out. Either option is normally okay. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um look, just speaking of what you've just said though because of course in america at the moment um there's been a pretty big change in the last 24 hours um but for people who uh who aren't aware of this yet it seems that it just today i mean this is even though we are live streaming we're not like a breaking uh news show obviously but at the moment just coming out recently uh, biden has just said that international travelers are now going to have to quarantine in the u.s and there's going to be masks on planes as well so straight away, yeah. you know, you're talking about how well New Zealand's doing. We are a bit smug. Like, I'm aware New Zealanders are a bit smug about this whole thing. But every time I talk, I always say, as we are today. You know, in six yeah. months from now, it may be very different. You know, we've got our um, you know, our own Dr. Fauci is all kind of saying, um, if that new strain gets into the community, it'll be a shit show. Um, yeah. So, so, but as of today, uh, I saw I, there's this research done that ranked all the countries lockdowns and how they've done them and it gave them a score out of 100 new zealand was 96 point something and i think the next closest was about 75 and so when you see it put into a kind of academic paper where they've written you know this i mean it measured things like bars closed restaurants closed you know all that kind of stuff um Mm -hmm. you can see why i guess the the labor-led government has has um enabled us to get to this point where you know, we're still going to cricket games and we're still, we're not having to hold our breaths when we're out of isolation going down in elevators. Uh, although, yeah. I, although I do notice, you know, I go to the supermarket because during our lockdown here of four or five weeks, whatever it was, it was a very strange and weird scenario. It was about as close as I ever want to get to sort of an apocalyptic feel that you're kind of avoiding people and, you know, no one on the streets. I noticed that if you did have to go to a supermarket, you'd walk past people and you'd look away from them. So you wouldn't be yeah. breathing. I I do notice myself still doing that occasionally, just out oh, of habit. We have full blown post COVID PTSD. Like <laughs> you know, um, it's real. It, it's real, and you know, we 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 lived in Los Angeles. We and um, LA was one of the hardest hit uh, cities in the country. So when you're talking about apocalyptic, Apoc- yeah, like, that's what it's like. It actually felt you like. know. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw that um, Biden in the last couple of months had a conversation or multiple conversations with Cinda asking about how New Zealand's quarantine, how everything's been working. And, you know, um, while I don't want to make things too political, I do think that, um, you know, New Zealand right now is really um, having a moment where they are, you know, this country is, is shining comparatively. It's one, it's an outlier in the world. And, um, I don't know if the average Kiwi 
really understands just how good you have it right now. Um, I mean, there's 400,000 deaths mm. in the United States from COVID. If there were 400,000 deaths here in New Zealand, that would be like a tenth of the population almost, you know? But but even and if so, you but even if you went to the per capita, I mean, America is about sixty times our size. So you know, mm-hmm. a sixtieth of four hundred thousand. Well, a tenth would be four, so it would be twenty four thousand. If there was twenty four thousand deaths, um, yeah. that's not a sixtieth, is it? That's nowhere near. That's more like half. Must be two and a half thousand deaths. Two and a half thousand deaths. So that would be that that would be horrific. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. only been twenty five here. You know, comparatively, yeah. I saw I saw a guy. You know, I try. I tend not to dive into the into the muck with comments online um but somebody had you know somebody had asked me what i thought america could learn from new zealand's response to covid-19 um and somebody an elderly gentleman had kiwi had commented you know about kind of just complaining about obviously the situation like economically it's not great but um you know when you compare where New Zealand is. I mean, just even for us looking outside right now, we see people walking around with masks, sitting on a park without masks, without masks sitting on a park bench next to each other, having conversations. There was a concert the other night. Mm-hmm. Like we all like, of this for us is just. We were like, oh my gosh, there's live, live music, music in the distance. You know, you know? Yeah, it's, and, um, it's bizarre. But from the moment that we got off the plane, we were so impressed by how everything is being handled. It's safe, it is efficient, and it's also done in a kind manner. Yeah. Like, it, you know, coming from another country, being here, being considered high risk on a, on arrival, and then be, you know, going into a bus, and then being put into a managed isolation, it's it's kind of a, it's definitely an interesting feeling, and, and one you've never experienced before. And so having people around like friendly kiwis who have just been like even the the military when he came in like he had his mask on and everything and he was safe and efficient but he was also kind and he was like we're here to keep you safe and um and it just it's we've just been really impressed not to mention the reaction from all of um you know our kiwi followers and and people who just kind of found out found us offering to bring us care packages we've had you know, multiple people bring us groceries and <laughs> magazines and all sorts of little things like that. And, you know, it's, it really is just, I think that that is one of the most amazing aspects of the Kiwi character is, you know, the default uh, to kindness and yeah. yeah so well, it was, it was actually, and you're probably aware of this, but it was actually something that the prime minister said from day one, be kind to one another. Like it was one of the, it was one of the driving things that we aim to do at the start of the lockdown. So much so that, you know, we have, I mean, everyone has those motorway overpasses that are um, electronic and then can, can change. You know, there's an accident 1.2 kilometers ahead or whatever. But some of the motorway overpasses were saying, be kind, you know. So wow. so it was something that, that we actively tried to do. Um, I, I spoke to a, a journalist here in New Zealand, Jack Tame, who actually went across to the election and he was someone I spoke to in managed isolation. And when he explained to me that you get off the plane with a police officer and you turn up to managed isolation and there's, there's the armies there, I kind of thought, unless you explain what you guys are saying, you know, how kind everybody is and how it's working, you can kind of see how the Laura Ingrams of this world um, kind of try and sell a story about, 
you know, isolation camps, I think is what she said. Because if all you heard was the police escort you off the plane and then you're under the supervision of, uh, you know, the army for two weeks, it does sound a little bit uh, a little bit heavy-handed. But, but as you say, we like context in this podcast and you guys giving it that, you know, the, and you'll see no guns coming up with your, with your, no um, with your military or with your police. Um, but yeah. just kindness, that's a, that's a lovely thing to hear because I, 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 I hope, I kind of agree, but I also hope because, you know, there's dicks in every country, but that, that yeah. we, we are kind to people no matter who they are, where they're from. Yeah, it's important. It's such a simple thing, kindness. It really is. And I think sometimes people might overlook it when you say, just be kind because they hear it all the time. But in reality, it's such a simple thing that goes such an extremely long way. And we've kind of just, you know, even in, I can't tell you how many fights I saw break out in parking lots at at grocery stores in in LA during the pandemic. Like people are so high strung and people are angry. And, you know, when you lose that default to, um, you know, to respect and kindness towards strangers, like a really important element of the social contract is broken, you know, and um, it makes going out into the world feel a whole lot more stressful and anxiety ridden and dangerous. And, you know, as a person who's traveled quite extensively and have been brought into the homes of strangers and fed by people and, you know, given a roof over my head, uh, in, in far flung corners of the world, I really do believe that like people inherently are good Mm. and you have to like lead with that because if you lead with the opposite, if you lead with the fear of like, people are bad, they're going to do bad things to me and I I shouldn't trust you. You know, that's what you get. One of the best moments in Biden's inauguration yesterday was when he looked at, um, his representatives and he said that he hired on and he said, If I hear one of you mistreat another person, I will fire you on the spot. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, it's kind of like kindergarten all over again, but it kind of feels like we need that. You You learn these things in kindergarten, but they're crucial. Yeah. (laughs) The the other thing that I think I, I personally have started a thing in the end of last year, and we've been told to be kind to one another, which I think is really important. But I think. I think the thing that a lot of people have missed is being kind to ourselves. And I started a little a little kind of series of Instagram videos and things where I explained how I don't I won't belabor the story because I've told it a couple of times, but um how how I was at a you know a primary school kids show and they did a, a review of the year and one of the things they did of course was they repeated and replayed with one of the children playing Jacinda um a the the day we went into level four lockdown. And I realized I was having a reaction to it. Like I heard the sound and I heard the words and inside I was like, holy crap, there's stuff here I haven't quite, you know, either let go of or sorted out. And I don't want to be too dramatic and I won't use the words PTSD or panic attack, but there was definitely something visceral there that I went through and I felt. And from then I've been, been for myself and sort of encouraging others to do as well is to start measuring ourselves. If we feel the need to measure ourselves, to measure ourselves on our successes from last year, not our failures. Because I reckon one success in 2020 is probably worth about 20 successes any other year because 2020 was such uh, an abysmal year for those things. And and to be kind to ourselves as well. You know, like, like, and I explained that I'm sitting in a studio at home. I had to 
give up my studio in central Dunedin and because I couldn't use it. Um, and there was a lot of things financially and, and business-wise, like a lot of people did, not complaining about it, especially living in New Zealand, that didn't quite hit that I was aiming for. But, you know, I, I built a studio. I'm operating out of home now. I did about 80 podcasts during that lockdown period through to the end of the year. So kind of looking at the, the pros and going, not only were they cool or good or fun or, or, or whatever, but in 2020, it's like a, it's like not just one tick, you get three ticks for those ones because it was a, it was a bitch of a year. And, and, and mind you, and just to finish by saying, and it hasn't finished. You know, people are like, oh, New Year's Eve 2021, we've got rid of that year. Yeah, we, we've got a ways to go yet. We ain't quite there. Yeah, I mean, uh, tell us about it. With uh, We rolled right into that crazy shit in January 6th, which was like watching watching a horror film. Uh, but apart from that, you know, I think, um, yes, celebrating your successes and, and focusing on the positive elements of what happens in your day-to-day -day life even the most ordinary moments, right? Like we're here in lockdown and there's not, it's, it's, it can be hard to find the, the joy in a, in a hotel room, right? Of the day. And so on day three of lockdown, I took sheets of paper out of my journal and I, on the backside of each journal, I wrote uh, three through 14 because that was how many days we had left. Right. And so I said, okay, every night when the day is done, we're going to flip this over and on the backside where the lines are, we're going to write three highlights of the day. She, she taped them up on the window. And so not only has it been really useful to remember what day we're on, because <laughs> it can really, <laughs> that can be a difficult part. But another part of it is that you really just have to find the good where you can and it's i'm not even talking about just being grateful for oh i have a roof over my head which of course those things are important but it's about going further and saying okay what was the highlight of this very mundane mundane day and you can you can really relate that with 2020 when you're like for us in los angeles you know we were self-isolating at home it was very similar to what we're doing now because we wanted to be safe and keep others safe so we stayed home um and it I, I wish I would have implemented this then because, um, yeah, it can just be a really nice way. Even the simplest things, like I had pasta for lunch and it's my favorite, you know, I love pasta. So, like little things like that, it really does make a difference. No, totally. It's like a paradigm shift. When you start looking for the positive versus focusing on the negative, it's easier to see the good things that happen in your life, which makes you happier which makes you more likely to go out and start doing things and start actuating change in your own life. It's like it's, it's like a, a circle, right? So no, I, it's true, you know, celebrate your small successes. And um, looking back on 2020, I can guarantee you that um, if you were thinking the opposite direction, if you were just focusing on negative, then it would be way too overwhelming to, uh, to even begin to try to look at 2020 as a whole. But if you, take into account that yes, 2020 sucked overall, but here were the good things that happened in my life. And here was how I, you know, challenged myself to make lemonade out of lemons or whatever. Um, you know, you'd be like, damn, we had some good lemonade. And this moment will likely end up on our highlight. Totally. We were saying like later in life, we're going to look back at this and say, holy shit. Like, you know, yeah. what, what an experience. Yeah. To just, overall this entire spirit experience of just doing this deciding to move to New Zealand and just you know for a piece of information we we were 
going to move to New Zealand before the pandemic ever yeah. hit. And I think that that's important to know for a, like a lot of our followers might, you know, I've, I've reiterated that because I think, you know, it's, it's not, you know, we made this decision in 2019 when we visited New Zealand and um, we, uh, it just so happened that we were able to, to make it work during this time, you know, it took us a long time. Um, we started before the pandemic hit. We were supposed to be here looking at houses in March of- Right, as March 10th was our flight from LA mm -hmm. oh, to wow. come to New Zealand. And on the 9th, we were reading the news, looking at each other saying, if we get on that flight tomorrow night, we might not be coming back. Mm -hmm. And we are by no means are we ready to like, we're not prepared. We had rental, we had our dog, we have all sorts of, you know, furniture and blah, 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 blah. So we decided to, to postpone the flight. Air New Zealand was super um, understanding and gave us a flight credit, which was good for like two years. And then, um, you know, we were able to start working towards getting all of our little ducks in a row. And our mind was like, okay, well, by January of 2021, things will be better. Well, it was more <laughs> like by June of 2020. Yeah. At first it was like, you know, yeah. it was kind of marketed along the like, do your bit to, to uh, stop the spread, stay home. Um, and it's only going to be, you know, three weeks and the, and the virus will get you know, clamped down. Oh, I think, I think, I think officially, wasn't it? Um, there's only 15 cases. It'll soon go down to zero. Wasn't that the official line in America at a while? I mean, in the big, ugh, there's been so much misinformation. Yeah, yeah. There's been, it, you know, and that 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 also has been what has made 2020 so taxing mentally. Yeah. You know, I mean, the cases of of uh, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, um, suicide suicide it's all mm -hmm. gone through the roof in 2020 and you know it's sad it really is because yes things 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 are difficult but like i think that one of the good signs from it all is that mental health uh has been even more destigmatized talking mm -hmm. about mental health talking about struggling with feelings and emotions um and more and more people are seeking help uh in order to uh talk through these things and i think that that's at least one of the, the benefits that's come from that for a lot of us it wasn't just the the feelings of we're in a global pandemic but on top of that a lot of us were really disheartened and fearful of what was happening politically mm -hmm. um and so it was a it was double it was a it was a double whammy and it just kind of felt um, really, it felt really heavy and for so many people and that's all over the world, right? Like, yeah, in the United States, we felt that way, but you know, that that's a similar feeling that so many people all over the world have experienced together. And I think there's something in that, right? We've all, we all just, I think the really important thing is empathy. Like you talked about before, like on your guys's freeway, it says be kind. And, um, I feel extremely hopeful with, um, where things will go in the future. And, um, I think that 20 hindsight is 2020, right? Pun intended. It's like you looking back, you're going to go, okay, there, there are good things that we, that came from this. It is so hard to see it when you're in it. And it's even hard to see it now, but there will be a day where we're going to look back and we're going to be like, wow, we learned how to do this. We learned this. If this ever happens again, we got this. And 
Yeah. It's kind of like, I, I, I likened that to, um, well, I've broken a lot of bones in my life, <laughs> I, you know, skateboarding and snowboarding and I've snapped fingers and wrists and all sorts of stuff. And, um, you know, they do say that when you break a bone, if it's set properly and it's done in the right amount of time, it actually makes the bone stronger. Right. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, hopefully 2020 was that, was that year where, you know, we broke, we broke it, but, um, we can rebuild it and, uh, come back stronger. That sounds like the $6 billion man day. Eh? We can rebuild him. Um, I was, <laughs> I was, uh, just to, yeah, the, the, the be kind thing to one another, I think is important. Um, I, I'm just going to say one other thing and then we'll move on because um, we'll let people know because they're going to hear the american accents and think things like you know we hear that these celebrities like russell howard are getting into new zealand to perform but who are these guys coming into our country there's good reasons for that and we'll get onto that shortly but um i was just going to say you said earlier that here in new zealand sometimes we wonder if you're wondering if we don't quite get a grasp of it because we're basically living as if COVID doesn't exist I mean, once you get out of a managed isolation, we're basically the, the life is going on almost like COVID's not out there. What happens yeah. to me is I see international sporting events and I see no crowds and I go, oh, crumbs, that's right. Because here in New Zealand, we've got, you know, we've had cricket going on, we've got cricket coming up shortly. And there, well, cricket's never really full stadiums, but, you know, there's five, 10, 20,000 people there. Russell Howard, the comedian's in town at the moment, uh, well, in New Zealand at the moment, he's doing a 16 gig tour. I'm going to his Dunedin show on the 4th of, um, 4th of Feb. And it's not until you see, you know, the NBA with empty stands or, you know, the Football League in the UK. And then you start to see the stories about, might have been in the UK. It was like a 16-story hospital. Each story had 29 people on it. All of them were COVID patients. You, that's that's It's a bit of a slap in, not a slap in the face like an, an offensive way, but it's a wake-up call. You know, It's a reminder because you do. You do get – I don't think we get quite complacent, although I think there, after the first lockdown there certainly was some complacency, and I, I think there is probably a little bit of that now. But I guess through a, a combination of mostly good management – and a little bit of good luck because nothing's perfect. And geographic. And, and geographically, yeah. that's probably part of the luck as well, I guess, because you know um, that we're able to uh, able to do these things. And and the complacency, if there is some, hasn't quite bit us in the bum yet. So, you know, well, well welcome like, welcome to a COVID-free New Zealand. Hopefully, if it stays that way. I mean, fingers crossed, and we're we're very very grateful to be here and to clarify i am actually also a new zealand citizen i'm yeah. a dual citizen of the united states and of new zealand I was born in america but um i've been coming back and forth to new zealand throughout my entire life um but just a bit of bit more perspective before we can yeah stop stop talking COVID and and downer <laughs> stuff I mean, 400,000 Americans died, have died from COVID so far. That's more than all of the casualties from the Second World War combined in um, in America. So, uh, I mean, you know, if you were to think about it like that, um, and I know that New Zealand is very, um, the less we forget and, and uh, the Anzac contributions in Gallipoli and, you know, I have family members who, um, are on the wall at the memorial wall at, in in Auckland at the museum there who died in the set in the first world war mm -hmm. 
Uh, but just, I mean, just putting that into perspective, it's like when you remove the the idea of this this nebulous little virus floating around, and you just look at the casualties. I mean, there's photos from New York City where they had to um, they had to take over huge tracts of land um, on uh, an island off the coast of New York, where they literally turned that into mass graves, you know, from COVID. And it's like, it's real yeah. and it's scary. We have a lot of friends who work in, in healthcare and are nurses and have been at it like nonstop for, you know, 10 plus months now. And you just have to think of the emotional fatigue mm. uh, that these people are going through the healthcare professionals who are living that every single day in those hospitals. So, yeah. you know, those are the real, real heroes. Definitely. Um, so like you said, now, did you say you were, I thought you were born in New Zealand. Were you born in America, but your dad's a Kiwi, or were you actually yes. born in New Zealand? So I'm born in America. Okay. My dad's a Kiwi. Um, he was born in Hawke's Bay. Mm -hmm. and um, Born and raised. He moved to Yeah, he moved to America when he met my mom when he was traveling abroad in Europe. They met on a, on a train and <laughs> fell in love. I know it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> uh, he was a flight attendant, and he was... Uh, bumming around and doing his OE and um, yeah they they met and fell in love and he ended up coming to visit for a Christmas in California and then just kind of you know stuck around um, but he's been he was the honorary consul for New Zealand in San Diego for 20 plus years I think oh cool so he you know he's he's been you know we grew up going to to the local British pub to watch all blacks games at like, you know, random hours of the like <laughs> three, three in the morning, stuff like that. Um, Dedicated. Yeah. So, I mean, like, New Zealand has always been a really big part of my life. And I think growing up as a dual citizen, having the awareness of um, the fact that I have family and friends in, in this Island across the ocean on the other hemisphere, it always kind of, helped me have a bit more uh, global perspective, you know, um, understanding that the world is bigger than just the city or the neighborhood that you grow up in and um, kind of understanding that, that the world's a big place full of really interesting people and, and wanting to go and explore it. So, so to let people, other people know as to one of the reasons we're chatting, I always like chatting with interesting people, uh, but both of you guys do a fair amount on YouTube, and just if people are watching, they'll be able to see some of the things I'm about to bring up. Um, it seems that, Alex, you started, you got to be, I, I got to be so careful saying the name of your original sort of thing with your brother. Vaga Brothers. Vaga Brothers. But you, you do yeah. have to be careful. <clears throat> pronouncing yeah, that one. Yeah, you don't want to mispronounce that one. Yeah. So the uh, Vaga brothers, and and that uh, is, it's really good. And what I love about kind of independent media at the moment, uh, which is what I call it, you might call it something different, is you know you've got a series from from all these countries all over the world. Um, oh, I won't go play series. I meant to open it up on YouTube. Look at that. Um, but the clips, like I'm just opening up the one from uh, India, 15 minutes, mm -hmm. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 12 minutes, five minutes. So you know people can get a taste of a taste of what you guys were doing in a, in a short amount of time. Uh, YouTube yeah. channel there with a, a million subscribers uh, from that channel, and then you went on and started doing some of your own stuff and labeled Alex, yes. Alex the the vagabond in 2016. Yeah. But also Carrie, Carrie, you've got uh, your own. 
uh, YouTube going on, your own stuff going on. And the way I've coined it for the uh, kind of write-up for this is I've taken two two little words out of your write-up, uh, wellness and lifestyle. Would that be a fair way to um, sort of assess your overall YouTubing, Carrie? Yeah, self-growth. I've, I've gotten into a lot of um, gardening as well. Um, and just um, a harmonious lifestyle, you know, like living living the best life that you can and, um, you know, learning to shift mindset to positivity and self-care and self-love. And you talked about it at the beginning. I was like, immediately like, yes, I like him. Cause you were talking <laughs> about, you know, um, it's not just about like, it's about how you take care of yourself and how you, how you love yourself. And that's essentially, um, what I've kind of always created content about. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you, I've only done two or three of them, but I'm doing like a little series and I'm using the hashtag, you be kind to you, the letter U, the letter I B. K-I-N-D, the number two and the letter U. I've only just started it, but from that experience I talked about earlier that I had last year, I realized how important it is that we be kind to ourselves. Not not to not to say don't be kind to others, but as well. So I'll, 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 when we finish all this, I'll send you an email with what I'm doing and you can have a look at it for yourself. Love it. I think it's more important than ever now too because, because like there's a lot of great things that social media has done. It's able allows you to connect with people all over the world mm. and to share perspectives and you know to to um to learn a lot of stuff but at the same time you know the, on the dark side of it it's like it's very easy to get caught up in you get a glimpse of somebody's lifestyle who's in a completely different place than you and it makes you leaves you feeling less than and desirous of more and so those two emotions combined can oftentimes lead you to think that like well, I don't have what this, what, um, you know, Kim Kardashian has, and therefore, Thank goodness. I'm a, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, so, you know, I think that there's a lot that we can learn about, and it's happening as we go, but it's really important to kind of, like you said, be kind to yourself, realize that everybody's journey is an individual one, and, um, we do the best with what we have, right? Yeah. I, I also think, and I, you guys will probably understand this, you know, being kind of, as they say, content creators for the for the average person, you know, just people who make shit, um, is that we typically are our own worst critics as well. And yeah. we typically look at something and we go, it's not good enough. Whereas often you'll find, I'm sure you've experienced this, and I've experienced this in various things that I've done, other people will look at it and go, oh, that was amazing. And, and you know, we, we, we tend to measure ourselves very harshly and, as I said earlier, often based on our failings rather than, than – well, I think not measuring yourself is probably a better path because why why do I care, you know? If I'm happy and, and whatever, why do I care about where, where my standing in that particular area is? But if we are going to measure ourselves, we should do it based on, you know, our, 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 good, our good stuff, not our crap stuff. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah, so, it's like if you are going to compare, compare to yourself yesterday or a year ago and say, you know, like, do I feel like I'm continuing to learn and continuing to to um, pursue whatever path it is that I've chosen? And is it giving me happiness? And if it's not, then maybe time to switch switch it up, you know? Oh, it's like one of those classic things, you know, like someone who is in a, is in a weight loss thing sort of thing. They might still be, you know, 50 kilos overweight, but if they've lost 10, they should be celebrating the 10 not being disappointed that they've still got in their journey a long way to go. So it's, it's a pretty, and you know. They should look at it 
with pounds because then it's double. <laughs> two, two and a half. You two, lost 10 kilos. That's like 25 pounds. That's huge. I think it's 2.2 technically. That'd be oh, 22. I think so. I have to learn that. Um, so, so you guys are YouTubers. That's your profession. That's what you do. I always, because people ask me, what do I do? And I always kind of go, oh crap, how do I answer this? But what I typically think about is where does my income come from? That's how I think about what I, what I do as in, what they're asking me is what's your job sort of thing. So YouTubing yeah. is your, your job. I'm assuming that goes along with sort of, uh, blogging and vlogging and, and various other written things. Uh, I was wondering, I guess I can see Carrie, how your sort of thing will continue fairly easily from New Zealand. But Alex, your travel thing, it's obviously we're one of the most expensive countries in the world to get anywhere from, to go yeah. places, because we're right down the bottom and there's not the population to put, you know, 40 flights on a day. Obviously, yeah. other, I'm assuming there's going to be New Zealand, feature of New Zealand at the start, because you can do that. But how's that going to impact your uh, travel, you know, YouTubing lifestyle? Yeah. Well, you know, I personally, as much as I would love to believe that international travel a la 2019 or 2018 is going to be back and running uh, in the next couple of years, I also have to temper that with a bit of realism, mm. which is, you know, even with a vaccine coming out, I do think that, you know, the amount, the, the ability to freely move around the world, like at 2019 levels, um, it's going to take a while to get back to that. Um, and, you know, while it's all it, traveling, traveling um, at, at the pace that I was traveling can be exhausting as well. And I think that um, moving forward with, in terms of international travel, like shifting to New Zealand and the Southern hemisphere um, you may feel like you guys are far away from everything that's happening, but that that maybe that's from a American or Eurocentric point of view. Like you're you're also much closer to a lot of places that are extremely expensive and difficult to get to when you're in the United States or in Europe, so, such as the Pacific Islands. So Antarctica, or, so Antarctica becomes a place you want to go to. Well, in Dunedin, you know, all you have to do is like hop in a boat and you're there and you know 25 minutes also fiji the cook islands like australia um what i was going to say have you ha, have you guys seen this came out yesterday uh thank god for this travel bubble high emotion is first quarantine free flights arrived from rarotonga so rarotonga, we, we rarotonga actually, looks like it's opening up yeah we were in rarotonga december of last year in 20 oh, 2019 one of and, the most beautiful places in the world i have ever yeah, I have a video on on my personal channel on the Alex the Vagabond channel, um, which you know kind of documented the the two week trip that we took there. And I would love to go back, but I think to answer your question in in short form, um, I'm really looking into expanding and diversifying the type of stories that I tell. Right. I would like to get into more uh, documentary work, more. Uh, potentially narrative work. Um, I would love to plug into the the film industry here in New Zealand, which is cranking and vibrant and super creative. And, and this um, was all bubbling before travel wasn't able to happen. Yeah. You were thinking about how you could diversify and think about things um, because you were getting tired. I remember of, you know, traveling week 
by week. And I mean, I, I spent a decade of my life like full nomadic pretty much. And it was an amazing way to spend my 20s. And now as I'm moving into my kind of early to mid 30s, um, I really would like to explore different avenues of storytelling and, um, you know, documentary work, uh, potentially narrative work. I mean, obviously I would love to work for Phil Jackson. Um, <laughs> you know, just saying, I'm going to keep throwing that out there. Manifest that. This is not the first time I've said that, but you know, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan and I'm a big fan of his work and I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing the, the Beatles documentary that they're working on down there at um, Wingnut Productions. So I don't know. I think um, I'm quite excited actually for the change of pace and the change of direction. And I think that um, in life, you know, just because something's working well for you doesn't mean that you have to keep uh, doing it. You know what I mean? I think that sometimes in life it's worthwhile to uh, take a moment, reassess your trajectory, and if if needed, uh, you know, course adjust. And for and me- And go where you're being called. I've always been called to come and live like a, a longer chapter of my life in New Zealand. And mm. I'm lucky that my partner, my wife, um, wanted to come too. She's, she fell in love with New Zealand after our first trip here. And while it is kind of a big, a big um, change to make, especially in the midst of all of the stuff that's happening in the world right now, um, it was something that we've, that's been brewing for a long time. And it, it really actually we're quite excited to have been able to kind of pull the trigger, make the move. And now um, the, the future is unwritten and, I don't know. Sometimes in life, when 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 uh, you don't have a clear a clear idea of what's coming tomorrow, life kind of gets interesting again. You know, reinvigorating. It's about it's about that um, breaking from that comfort zone, and it makes you think, well, what what can, what else can I do if I'm willing to be courageous? Because it's not about being fearless. Like I told Alex today when we were walking in the parking lot in circles, <laughs> I, I said, um, that's that's the outdoor time that we yeah, get. Yeah. Um, I just said, it's not that I'm, I'm not that I, it's not that I'm not afraid of what we're doing. There are moments where it's absolutely terrifying, right? Um, but courage is about looking that in the eye and saying, how can I grow and learn from this? Like, and I'm, keep going in yeah, the face of it. I'm I don't have the connections to New Zealand that Alex does. And um for me, I'm I'm going into this completely uh kind of awe-inspired and interested to see where it takes us. And people do this all the time, you know, people people migrate to different places to um take take risks, and this is what this is what about being human is about. And I think I think you're right. I think a lot of the times, like, it can be hard, you know, we had an article and we, we saw some comments about people, um, there was an article in stuff.co stuff article, and, and there were comments of, you know, um, some Kiwi people, rightly so, talking about um, us being there. And, um, you know, I think, I think that I'm really excited to be here to learn, to learn about um, New Zealand and to learn about the culture and to give everything that I can um, back to this country too and, and to work here and to um, give, 
give um, the parts of me that that I can. And, and I think I think that that's the way it should be. And I think that, um, yeah, it's it's been a really warm welcome overall, very much so. Mm. And I just feel like that um, warm embrace and just the warm people all around us. And we're just excited to like, I'm, I'm Alex's wife here. You know what I mean? Like, obviously I will make my own and I'm excited to do that, but he is like, his father was born and born and raised here. And his, like he said, his ancestors are in the, they fought, you know, to, to, for their time to be, um, you know, in the museum here, um, the ailings and, and, and I'm I'm part of that by being his wife, and I'm sure. excited to to be here. You know, I wanted to go back real quick though to your comment about um, you know people asking you what you do, right? And in our case, I've been making videos on YouTube, and Carrie has as well for almost a decade now. Yeah. And in the beginning, telling people that um, you know when, when they were asking what I do, well, you know I. I am a videographer, I am an editor, I am a host, I am a director, I'm a producer, I am a writer, I am a, uh, I mean, the list goes on, a photographer, filmmaker, the list goes on and on, right? But when you try to squeeze it down into one thing, because humans like simplicity, right? They don't like, they don't like a long list of, of what you do and, and, and who you are. They, so they want to slap a label on you. Mm. In the beginning, the label YouTuber was like, it had like a tinge to it. It was like, oh yeah, well, you're not really all that serious because, you know, people make money from their bedroom talking to a video camera. Mm -hmm. But now I, there was a, there was a, um, a poll in the United States in 2019 with uh, children under 18 asking them what they wanted to be. And you know what the number one response was? What, YouTuber? Twitch streamer? YouTuber. Yeah. Uh, and now you're seeing mass media adopting it's kind of a convergence right you're seeing youtube stars becoming uh filmmakers becoming television hosts becoming uh you know pretty pop stars whatever they want and you're seeing the opposite happening from the traditional media people who are saying you know what i need to have a youtube channel i need to have a social presence i need to be making content here to remain relevant right so i don't know i i, I think um yes i am a youtuber that's the platform where I publish the 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 most to, but I don't want to be constrained by a title, and I you know, and um, I think that, yeah, I'm I'm excited for like future endeavors and different formats. Well, it always gets complicated for multifaceted people, right? When when someone's like, well, what do you do? You're like, well, I do a lot of different things, and I don't know how to tell you what it is. <laughs> so I'm sure you can relate. Yeah, I think the other thing is, um, I, 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 it feels funny. Like, you know, people have things that they repeat quite a bit, and there's like shot drinking game stuff. I always talk about these two comedians. I feel like I talk about them every single podcast, but it's relevant to talk about them now because they host a, uh, you know, they host a, they do a podcast, um, which is hosted on YouTube as well as the audio version uh, called Two Beers One Cave. Tom Segura and Bert Kreischer. Um, they literally. Oh, you like them? Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I like Tom Segura probably more than I yeah. like the other guy. Um, uh, but yeah, they're funny. They had a, a conversation the other day where they were talking about this exact thing because I think I, I, it makes me a bit sad to hear about people coming from mainstream media 
to the digital medium and kind of going to stay relevant because I, there's a guy just who's just come off ESPN who I can't think of his name, but he's turned down big massive track uh, contracts because he wants the freedom to do his own thing. I think the coolest thing is when you see people moving away from the million dollar paycheck, American dollars, not New Zealand dollars, um, because they want more freedom. And these two comedians were having this conversation. They're best friends and they do a podcast every week and they were like, this hypothetical conversation, what would it cost for you know, us to go and do this on Comedy Central? And Tom basically said, well, I wouldn't enjoy it anymore, so it would be $50 million a year because they'd have to yeah. pay a fee for me not to be able to do what I want to do. So there's yeah. this element of freedom that I think comes in the medium that we do right now. Like, So, for example, I, I, my background is in radio. I, I was in commercial radio for 20 years. Um, you know, I get onto this platform and I go, I can – as long as I don't slander someone and break like libel laws, I can do and say whatever I want on this podcast, and it's really freeing. And yeah, I don't have a paycheck at the end of each week paid for by nine minutes of advertising an hour. Um, but there is, I, I think the the beauty about seeing people come from mainstream to these sorts of mediums is the freedom they get to do what they want, how they want. I think going the other way from this sort of medium to the mainstream, I don't know if that works that well because all of a sudden you've got seven producers telling you what you should say, what you shouldn't say, what the audience is doing, whereas this medium, and you guys have experienced this, is more a build it and they will come. You find your audience, then exactly what you want to do is what they want to see because they've found you. I think also, though, like people, we, I know a lot of, creators you know i've been plugged into the world of create of creators for years and i think that there's an element of wanting to have something happen from from a mainstream point of view to be able to like say that you've like quote unquote made it um because i think that like there's a lot of hustle you want to like make something and even if you have a million subscribers like you still can sometimes feel like, well, you know, not until I get a show on, you know, Netflix, do I feel like I've like truly made it, you know, or whatever that is. But I think that that's also kind of empty, you know? Um, not only is it empty, I feel like it's not valid because I guess a lot of the times, um, you know, I, I like, you're right. I think a lot of people think, okay, well, I want to get on Netflix, Hulu, so that I can feel legitimate because a lot of the time maybe people don't take youtubers as seriously and i completely see that that point of view but the problem and the error there is in the perspective of the person looking at this successful person who has built their own platform who has put time and effort into creating something that is completely their own and like you said they have complete freedom yeah. in that i i did acting jobs before and um, I loved being an actress. It was great, but I was acting while I was YouTubing and, um, I just stopped acting and I told my agent, you know, I, and, and I'm not saying I'll never do it again for fun because it's my passion, but when it came to work and what I wanted to really, um, pay attention to and put my efforts into was something that was so freeing. That was mine. That was, um, my own that I could create from nothing and it could be something in it. And I wasn't um, an employee where I had to remember this specific script that they wanted me to remember for hours on end and then get there and show up and like be something that they wanted me to be. 
I could instead shift that into, okay, I'm going to create something of my own. And I also think like, uh, yes, a hundred percent what you say is true. Um, I, you know, I have a show on Hulu and, um, that was when I first started making videos, my absolute number one dream was to host a travel show. And, um, and you know, and I have nothing bad to say about any of the people involved with the making of that show. It was a blast to make, but on the same side, like you've said, when you, in order to make something bigger, you have to remove an element of creative control that as a creator, you're used to having. And so once you remove that element of, you know, of that creative control, you know, the thing no longer really becomes, the thing is no longer yours. You lose a really important, um, a really important say over what the tone is, the feel is, and you lose control over, over the image uh, of yourself that's presented to the rest of the world. And I think that that in itself is probably why so many established mainstream media um, personalities are looking at the freedom of having their own uh, platforms and saying, you know what, like I'm gonna put my energy into building this because I can actually truly be myself, say what I believe in. And there's not some big wig somewhere in a studio who's never met me before, who's dictating what, how I come across to millions of people. And and you hear the, the, sh- the, the, the television shows that are often the most successful, things like The Simpsons, they don't get notes from executives higher up the order. It's actually left to the people and their own creative control to make the best show they possibly want. Of course, the, the if we're being honest, though, especially from here in New Zealand, the, the double-edged sword is then finances. I mean, yes. if you're making a product in New Zealand for New Zealand, not that not that with the internet you need to or anyone necessarily does. Like probably, I think it's about 35% of my audience is offshore at the moment. Um, but still, you're coming from, you know, I remember I worked a mid-dawn show. That's midnight to 6 a.m. on Talkback in radio per capita i had more listeners on that show than bill o'reilly had um in his show on fox news and he was the biggest the number one news show and cable for whatever it was but because our population is so small you can't monetize that that hundred thousand people as he could monetize his three million people you know Mm -hmm. um and so that's that's the double-edged sword especially for new zealanders without without the finances to have the freedom, you're then you're then some bit of stuck in the cycle sometimes. It's always a risk. I think creativity, um, it's it's sort of it is a double edged sword. And I, I have a lot of people that reach out that say, "Hey, how can I do um, what you're doing?" And I think a lot of the time um, they have to think about: Is it because are they wanting to do it specifically because? that's what they want to do for, for a living, or is it because they love it mm-hmm. and they, they're so passionate about it and they would do it whether they had a nine to five job or not. Like I can sit here honestly today right now and tell you that if I got a nine to five job, I would still what I do what I do right now. It would, I wouldn't skip a beat. And I was doing it when I was working a nine to five job. I was working in banking and I would go home and I would create my videos on the weekend. And that's how my channel originally took off was because I was, doing it because I was passionate about it. That's the thing. Now that people have like 
found out and you see these sensationalized news stories of some YouTuber making $50 million in ad revenue or something like that, they go super viral. Um, now that that is out into the dialogue of, of, the, of creating, uh, uh, of creating, people are saying, well, I want to be a YouTuber just because I can make money. Yeah. And when that is the driving force, there was a, I don't know who said it, but there, it, I think it's like an old Greek story. And it says that like, essentially long story short, there's a goddess of wealth and there's a goddess of knowledge. And if you pursue the goddess of wealth, well, she's just going to keep moving and she's going to keep going and you're never going to be able to get her no, ma no matter how hard you pursue. Whereas if you pursue the goddess of knowledge, then, uh, you know, the goddess of knowledge is going to allow you to gain uh, knowledge from her. And then the goddess of wealth will get jealous and come over and actually you, you don't have to pursue her if she's going to come and give you that. So if it's about money, if you're starting first and foremost with just the desire to make money, um, then it's probably, I'm not going to say that it can't be successful. It can, you know, but we see it out there. Sometimes. But is it going to be fulfilling? <laughs> no. And will it be what it's supposed to be? It is just what, you know, um, it, it's kind of, you know, you, you have to let your passion lead you yeah. when it comes to these things in life. And if you're making these choices, especially something that takes as much time as. Bit of a, bit like, of a, bit of a glitch there on the internet. We're back with you now. Okay. You yep. know, a lot of the times I feel like it can look really easy right? It can look like you put the camera up or the microphone up and then it's up and there's no, but there's a lot of back end. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of energy that goes into it. And if you're looking to go into something, um, you got to have the passion behind it because it's just not as easy as it looks. Yeah, totally. I, there is kind of that, I guess it's not that it's moving into the mainstream, but there is that YouTube world, like the world of Mr. Beast, you know, that seems to be going, going into, um, producers, you know, large staff, all those sorts of things as well. I think that's awesome because if they can, if they can make enough money to have a staff of five or ten and have producers and have, you know, um, executives above them, that's fine. I, I still, in, in my gut, kind of go. Um, I don't necessarily like all the style, but I like the Joe Rogans of the world that are really just still a two man show and they do big things just by themselves and they haven't got a massive group around them and they just get on with getting on. You know, I like I like mm. that idea of this is, uh, you know, people say. So I don't I don't believe in the saying you can get a cheap laugh. You know, getting a genuine laugh out of someone is still a genuine laugh. You know, you talked before about YouTube being being looked down on a little a little bit because it's a camera in your bedroom. It's like yeah, but to actually have a camera in your bedroom and then be engaging and then build an audience is actually a really big skill because you don't have all the massive studio and the effects and you know stuff around you to help you get good content. You just got to be you. You have to be the good content. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, it requires an an element of like. Um, self-starter kind of outlook and also <clears throat> you have to be autodidactic you have to be able to teach yourself new skills because when you're going down this road you're inevitably going to hit a lot of roadblocks and come into situations where you do not know what to do luckily the internet is there and you can search and you can find information and there's forums and you know on youtube itself <laughs> yeah and and you can find out but even apart from that yeah you know um master class and 
and things like that that you can like really expand your skill set skill set because things change quality gets better people's yeah. attention spans change yeah time goes on what people want to see from you change so you have to be able to adapt like but, you know said. like but that being said i'm by no means i'm like anti you know traditional media um i i think that on a project by project basis you have to kind of take everything one step at a time and i think that there's certain things that that are capable with the backing of a production company or with the backing of a network that aren't capable that or extremely difficult for you to pull off um by yourself or in a small team uh, i think that that a happy medium is finding finding a network or a production company that has um leadership that is willing to believe in the uh the, the talent and the skill set of a of of an individual or a small group uh of like kind of hand-picked special forces creators if you will to go out and execute um a a vision of something and bring it back to then be taken to the wider audience using that network and i think that that's kind of where it's going you know yeah i think so and i think probably what you'll find is some kind of amalgamation of uh you know like of of, of product of content of of the vibe of the independence and the maybe the money of the mainstream like as we go forward there'll be some kind of bastard child between the two of them and that'll be whatever entertainment is for the next 20 years um, yeah. like like even I, I was I got a chance to talk to Russell Howard the other day the comedian I didn't quite get a chance to say this to him because we ran out of time um, but I, I'm quite enjoying watching shows like John Oliver with no audience you know I'm yeah. quite enjoying watching his show uh, he, he has similar sorts of shows in the UK with no audience and I wonder if companies are going hey you know this still works without that other $40,000 per episode budget we don't need that anymore we can put that money elsewhere into the content rather than to the audience wrangler and having a bigger studio you know so i wonder yeah. if we'll come out of this and they'll have a bit of a you know we've we've sort of uh, gorillaed this for the past year let's take the best of the gorilla and take the best of what we were doing with a full studio and, and find a better way forward yeah like I, I think in many ways COVID has forced um production to scale down and but also maintain quality and i think that that's where you know finding those quote unquote guerrilla operators you know to to make the best content you can with the smallest uh footprint i mean i, I and also just you know look at um at, at the kiwi born director taika waititi you yeah. know right he started with in the, in the shadows which is hilarious um but also extremely diy feel to it mm -hmm. and then now he's you know, directing um, the blockbusters, Thor and Marvel and the Mandalorian. And uh, I don't know if you've seen any of that, but I mean, it goes to show uh, you, you do need, if you want to climb the ladder, you need to have the proper skill set and this and the right mentality, uh, but also the perseverance, you know, it takes time. And, and you get someone like him who's unique. He, he changed the Marvel universe. Because Thor Ragnarok was like none of the others in the whimsical, light humoured nature of it. Yeah. Like you watch it, you watch. Um, I, I I haven't said this yet, but I was going to write a bit on it. But you look at the latest Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman eighty four, god awful. And I think what they've tried to do is try and be whimsical and a bit silly, sort of like Taika was in Ragnarok. 
but they've missed the mark completely. It is, in my opinion, I'm sorry if you guys enjoyed the movie, but in my opinion, a tragic piece of crap that should not be seen compared to the first Wonder Woman, which was amazing. And I, I haven't seen the new, I haven't seen the new one. God so awful. I, I don't know. God but awful. it's probably because it doesn't have a Kiwi in the helm with that <laughs> tongue in cheek sense of humor. Yeah, yeah well, there's I, a special humor to, to it. Like that's one thing that I also really love about New Zealand. There's this, I can't even put my finger on it, but there's this like tone of comedy that is like nowhere else. Yeah, it's it, it's great. We're it's, a huge fans. Fly to the Concords, and Concord. you know. <laughs> Even we we just watched the Jumanji movie because we're in lockdown and we're oh, scrolling race. around on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, the new one with the with the Rock. But my favorite character appearance was uh, Murray from Flight of the Concord. <laughs> you know? Race Darby, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and look, I was got, one of the things I was going to ask. A couple of things. We're jumping around the place, and we're going to wrap up soon. But you can see how this is a bit of a TARDIS. You just jump in here and start talking, and, and the time flies. Because um, you were talking about your roots to New Zealand, the Alex, and and what I was going to say is, there's a really vital part of getting to know who you are by spending time on the land where your ancestors bones are mm-hmm. it's a really it's it's a it's a it's it's a kind of a I'm, I'm not maori at all i make that clear every time you can tell i'm that i'm irish by the ridiculous ginger beard and the kind of pale blue skin um but um they, there's a really really important philosophy about our, the bones of our ancestors being in the ground uh, that we walk on, you know, and uh, the just the concept of being back in a place in New Zealand, doing spending some time and living where your some of your ancestors' bones are. I, I know without telling you how to suck eggs that you'll find it probably different from Carrie a little bit, but Carrie being you know attached to Alex, you'll get a part of that vibe as well, and it's uh, it's it's very very different. It's a very different feel. I don't know quite how to describe it, but as you sort of experience New Zealand more, and I know you guys have been here, but like you become part of the country and you become part of the land. Um, yeah. It has a, a different feel to it. Like my, I've got ancestors' bones in Northern Ireland, and it's a different feel. You know, it's mm. a, it's a, and um, I always tell people um, my story is. Uh, as I said, I'm not I'm not Maori at all, but the Maori story is so important to all New Zealanders, even the rednecks who want to reject it, that uh, the way I look at it and always kind of say to people, encourage them to give it a go, is to to be a part of New Zealand. You need to be a part of the Maori story. And the Maori story needs to be a part of your life, because the Maori story is a part of the New Zealand story. So if if that's not a part of someone's story who's a New Zealander or who's in New Zealand, then they're missing a huge part of what New Zealand is. Um, so I've always described it that the Māori story is not part of my bloodline, it's not part of my family line, but it is a part of my story because I'm a New Zealander and New Zealand is a part of my story. And then you get into the bones being in the land and it's just a, it's a beautiful kind of way to be very quickly part of the country and part of the land. Yeah, I know we have, uh, I've got my, my book. I'm, I'm doing my best to learn Te Reo Māori. And um, when I was down in Dunedin studying, my dad came down and visited. Cool. And uh, we, we wanted to, we, we don't have uh, Māori in our blood either. We're, we're Pākehā, but um, we went down to, uh, my, my relatives left England in 1879 on a ship called the Adamant 
which was uh, left from Gravesend in England and was lost at sea. And they actually thought that uh, it sunk because it didn't arrive for um, about three or four months after it was supposed to arrive. It was stranded off off the coast of Brazil. And um, and my relative, um, Nathaniel Ailing, was uh, they they arrived in Invercargill and um, that kind of we knew that that he and his family were buried there but we didn't know which cemetery or where and um, when my dad and I uh, we we, we rented a car from Dunedin and drove down through the the Catlins and down to uh, to Invercargill we got some oysters and bluff and (laughs) then we uh, we went up and the first graveyard that we visited there uh we started walking around and literally within five minutes um i was i was just walking in the direction i felt i should walk and we found the grave completely covered over in moss and um you know we scraped that off and lo and behold there was nathaniel and his his uh you know the graves for his son one of whom died in in the boer war uh and uh, his wife and and that whole lineage of our family that, you know, had kind of been forgotten about. And uh, my dad actually went and he paid for a new headstone. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do feel a connection to New Zealand and uh, to the people here and to the land. And we are, I'm a cultural anthropologist and a historian, um, that's what I studied in university. And when I came to the University of Otago, I, I took uh, you know, a Maori history class as well as um, a class about uh, you know the, the First World War here in Gallipoli and kind of how that was like the making of the nation. So we are very adamant to learn as much as we can about the yeah, culture. Yeah, and I, I wanna say like, you mentioned like by association and I think for, um, that's our lunch. Um, <laughs> Excellent. I, I, <laughs> I think, um, you know, for me, I have a tendency to to feel others' um, experiences um, very viscerally, very deeply, and um, an empath. And, and when we when we were coming off the plane, people were saying, "Welcome home to Alex." I'm already feeling emotional about it, and I started to tear up, and I started crying. Alex is laughing at me, and he's like, "I have to take a picture of this," and I just started, <laughs> I just started to tear up because I just was he's my husband right um and so for me i was it, it was um really special to watch him kind of um you know going back to his roots going back to his country people saying welcome home and um it yes i, I it's not my roots but i feel it and i'm really um i feel really grateful to get to experience it with him yeah and look don't don't take lightly what i said about you know you have access to it it's not like oh you know the wife you know, she can join in on the side. I was like, no, you have access to it. I think I went, one of the emails we've been going backwards and forwards with, Alex, I think I said to you, I used the Kiwis and I called you brother or something, welcome home. And I think I said soon to be Kiwi sister in one of the emails I sent you because it's it's it's, it's available. You know, it's like it's, yeah. it's there to be taken and it's available. And the thing about it, I think most, and I mean, like I said before, there's always some dicks in every country, but most people, if you say I want it, they'll offer it to you freely. So it's there. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel it. I feel that that welcome. I really do, um, and I'm I'm just grateful. Um, yeah. 
I wanted to know as well, and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up now because you guys have got food, but I, you mentioned sort of sense of humour. I was just going to ask Alex, being someone who's basically lived in America but with an association to New Zealand, mm-hmm. do you feel New Zealand differently, do you think? And, and sense of humour is a really good way to look at it. I mean, we're a bit British with our sense of humour. I mean, not saying we don't like the American sense of humour, but we are a bit more British than anything else. Uh, like, do you feel like compared to your friends back in the US, you get things differently when it comes to the Kiwi oh, culture? Totally. You understand? Because obviously your dad would have been all over Faulty, totally. faulty Towers and Fred Dagg and all those sorts of things. And like, Barry, I grew up reading Barry Crump. You oh, know, right. like Brilliant. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, totally. And 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 also, you know, I, I think Kiwi humor is, obviously it's derived from British humor, but it is different. Yeah. It's distinctly different. And, but yeah, I mean, you know, I would grow up and one of my favorite films growing up was like, uh, was Snatch, that Guy Ritchie film. And, you know, I showed that, I remember showing that to some of my friends back home and they missed all of the jokes, right? like every single one. And they were like, why do you love this film so much? And I was like, look, if you don't get it, then you don't get it. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, Kiwi humor is distinct and, um, and I love it cause it is very tongue in cheek and you have to you have to be able to kind of hold your own a little bit. Like if you're, if you're a little bit too sensitive sometimes and you take things a little too seriously, then, you know, it could come off as being kind of a chuff comment, but um, I mean, that's just part of it. And uh, I I grew up with my dad and his sense of humor and he's a hilarious guy. And, you know, my whole life growing up, I would bring friends over and they would say like, I don't under, like my dad would be like, Oh yeah, Bob's your uncle. And it's like, people are like, wait, who, what? Like they just couldn't understand. And I still, sometimes he says things and I'm like, look, dad, I don't, I have no idea what you <laughs> what, just what said. What are you referencing right now? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of Kiwiisms. We actually, we have a little book that's like a little <laughs> handbook for translating Kiwiisms to American His English. mom got it for us. My mom got it way right. back in like, 1980 when she to understand her husband so we're going to be using that as we go along but no we're really really excited to be here we're really excited for this chapter and we can't wait to connect more with with kiwi and with uh with with our fauna and with the fenua and you know we're doing our best so we're excited well don't feel under pressure you know it's celebrate your successes do as good as you can do and you know, don't worry about you know getting up to speed too quickly. Um, it'll, it'll it'll come, especially if you're living here now. I mean, we haven't really talked about the longevity for how long you're gonna be here for, but I don't think we need to talk about that today. We just today is today, and we'll live in today. And um, we'll say this on our when we arrived. What did we put? Permanent. So, you know, we well, don't have plans to go back just yet. <laughs> I guess welcome home from me as well to both of you. And um, I was just looking at your uh, your shot there because we've got a beautiful two beautiful people on our, our podcast today. I think you need to get nice and close so I can get a nice thumbnail. You know how this works. Yeah. You, there you go. Look at that. There's a be- that's going to that's going to be the beautiful thumbnail uh, for our show. And I'm sure that once you get out of isolation, which we haven't really talked about as well. See, the, the funny thing about this is just time flies. As I'm sure at some stage you're going to be heading around New Zealand. When you're down south, make sure you connect. I'll look it up. You're well, welcome to come back in. We'll do another one. Still there? Uh, The Captain Cook has changed. Oh no! In fact, what's happened? You when were you here? About ten years ago? Two thousand and two thousand and nine. Wow, twelve years ago now. Yeah. So uh, in the student quarter, a lot of the uh, pubs have shut in the student quarters. 
I guess just financial oh, no. reasons. Uh, Captain okay. Cook building is still there, but it's changed. It's no longer operating what it once was. But well, we'll grab a pint somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure we'll make it happen. It's been so nice to uh, to chat to you. Let me just bring up here again uh, if people want to find out more about you guys, and I'll bring it up on the screen if people want to see it. Uh, Alex the Vagabond on YouTube, and also you've got Carrie Rad on YouTube as well. There, uh, easy to find. Look at those. How to clear for your indoor plants. Starting a veggie garden. Well, that's going to be an interesting question about if you're doing oh, yeah. a lot. Of, if you're doing a lot of plant stuff and stuff, Carrie, what are you going to be doing in New Zealand, and where are you going to be focused on? But maybe that's for the next conversation. We can have a conversation I around can't plants. Wait to build another vegetable garden. I'm just like, I can't wait to grow food. Yeah, <laughs> we, we would love to find a place where we have uh, some space in the backyard for big garden and some animals, and you know, and just go from there. And uh, and now that you've got, I mean, on the end of my email is my email signature. If you ever get stuck out and about, and someone says something weird to you, and you're like, "What the crap does that mean?" Just text me, and I'll, I'll, I'll I can I, I can be your Google Translate if you need it to be. because yeah, Google Translate does not translate Kiwi. <laughs> hey, it's been so much fun having you guys on, uh, Alex and Carrie. Carrie and Alex, thanks for coming, and totally. Welcome to New Zealand. As you guys were talking about the comments and things that were said on that article from Stuff, what I loved was uh, there was a bunch of shit at the bottom. You know, people saying, no, they hardly see like they're essential. But the last two comments, the one at the top, I've shut it down so I can't read it verbatim. But the second to last comment was something like, I follow these guys online. They've been planning it for well over, you know, a year. This is not a new thing. And then the very, very top one, uh, it said something like, look, guys, they're already here. Just be kind. And I think that's probably a good way to wrap everything up. Wow, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, haters going to hate, but you just got to keep <laughs> moving forward. So. All the best, Thanks guys. Enjoy the last couple of days in isolation, and we'll talk soon. All right. See ya. Bye. Lunchtime. <laughs>
please feel free to share us around. You could be an advocate for us and help us get out there a bit more. It'd be really good because you'll probably experience, like most people do, if you like what you hear, you'll tune into the ones, the people you're going to enjoy and not the others, which is fine. Pick and choose. It's like come to the table, eat what you want from it and go away, um, but share that food with some other people to follow the analogy to its natural conclusion. Um, find out more about us at thedoc.nz. Uh, find us on Facebook. Just look up DOCNZ on Facebook. And, of course, all my social media are at Pat Britton, and that's Twitter and uh, Instagram, where you can come look at that puppy we were talking about before the episode started. Thanks again. Be safe out there. If you're not in New Zealand especially, um, be COVID cautious. Uh, wash your hands. Hug a loved one. Watch something on the telly that makes you laugh. We have been making sweet, sweet love in your ear holes since 2018. We will continue to do so. Thanks for joining us again. All right, my friends. All the best. Hooroo. Hooroo.